0: Hey, here's a question for you. Do you struggle seeing reality because your perspective is tainted? So often we can't see the forest for the trees. And what that means is we can't see all of the incredibleness of the individual trees that make up the forest because we're so used to seeing the forest. You know, we get used to seeing, so used to just seeing those around us that we, our vision gets skewed and we forget that individuals make up the crowd. Today we're going to hear the story from one leader who learned that finding the trees in the forest really became a huge benefit to him. He learned it by hearing from his own people. So often we forget that every day we're surrounded by people that were created by God and have been gifted by God to us to feed truth into us because they reflect God's creation and God's glory. They're a reflection of who God is just like we are. Tom Harper joins us today from NetWorld Media Group to talk about his latest book, Through Colored Glasses. Tom Harper, welcome to I Work For Him. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Tom, at what point in time then did you make that connection between that faith that you sought after for so many years and the work that you do every day? At what point in time did you make that connection?
1: Well, it's funny because it was really... Quickly, that I realized that there was a connection. It was just kind of a natural fit right out of the gate. I mean, I was just getting into the business world, and I realized that there was a lot that was in the Bible that that could connect with faith. I mean, with work. So, uh, where I was working at the time was a radio station. Uh, I was not a DJ. I always wanted to be a DJ, but because um, that was a glamour job. <laughs> what I what I did was sales. You know, I sold advertising, and. Uh, but and I realized that I was in a mission field. I just looked around. I saw of course unbelievers everywhere. I was at a rock station. We had several different stations in, in the in the whole building. Um but thankfully as 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 I look back on it, God pulled me out. Of that within about a year. I mean, it was a really kind of a dark place uh, to be as a believer. There weren't a lot of other believers. Then I got into uh, business, and maybe we'll talk about a little m- my story later. But I started doing prayer breakfast. I-, I put on some executive prayer breakfasts at um, different events I attended. I got permission from the attend from the event producers and started doing that. I met a guy named Tom Raynor, who became the CEO mm-hmm. of Lifeway and is an author on Church Health for the Road and. Um, he and I uh, created a partnership that was a church consultant training partnership and the website, and we trained pastors. And then I read a book called Halftime, of course, by Bob Buford. Probably a lot of your listeners have read that or should mm-hmm. read it. it, was a, it was a, it's a midlife crisis book. Even though I was in my 30s, I felt like it was perfect time for me to read it because I wanted to start my second life. I wanted to start my life significance mm-hmm. as early as possible. Uh, and then I just started reading Proverbs, and I realized that Proverbs was all about work. And, and so I left the Bible open, and I still have it open on my credenza here. It was always open to, to Proverbs, and I would just spin around on my desk, look at my at the Bible on the credenza, and find a verse for that day, and, and it just it, it fed into the day, and it helped count. Me I mean, at what point yeah. in time did you make that connection? Well, I just kept having this tug toward vocational ministry, and then that just started to morph into wanting to support people who were in ministry by using my, my business e- experience. So I got into some leadership at church. Um, uh, Tom Rainer and I started this this Society for Church Consulting, and we were training pastors that wanted to help other other church leaders, and so we were training them how to do it. And, and uh, so it was just kind of a mixture. I mean, I definitely saw an opportunity to be a minister, like a marketplace minister. But I also felt this tug to go into vocational ministry and use my business skills in that way. But I was just confused, you know, at the time. I was just kind of searching for what the path forward was for me.
0: Tell us a little bit about this book. Tell us
1: Leo's story. Well, Leo is this stressed out CEO who thinks he's a good leader, he's charming, he's been successful throughout his career. And people have pretty much loved him wherever he's gone, whatever he's done, but he's but he's on vacation with his wife, and he gets a call, and it's that kind of call that no one wants to get, especially on vacation and it's his chairman saying that the company's at risk things need to change or leaves or, or he's going to be out of a job. so he's immediately just he's panicking uh, and so he before he knows it, though, his CFO takes advantage of the situation and tries to make a case that he should be the CEO and that Leo's not doing the job. And then everyone else on the team, the leadership team, sort of scurries into this survival mode. And the story itself reflects this the corporate world reality in that people will do and say just about anything to get ahead or just to survive. Mm-hmm. And the Christian aspect is that in the in the middle of this mess, there's a VP of marketing who is a Christian. She tries to encourage Leo with some biblical truths, but she doesn't like come out and, you know, hit him over the head. And she just, she just drops a single verse and it, and it works its way into his mind. And so the question in the plot is that, you know, will Leo survive as a CEO? Will the company itself survive? Right. And, and we get into his internal struggle of who he is. We've all worked with people that, blurt out what's on their minds when, without even a filter, you know, uh, and when someone is characterized by doing that, not only can they not learn anything, but, or, and prideful, but they're really a fool at the core and drama and nonsense motivate them. So if you have a person like this on your team, you can save time and frustration for everybody by recognizing that blurting habit that they have and addressing it with them. And then the other principle really is from Proverbs 15:13. It, it simply says, a happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. And this is telling us to look at people's faces. You know, don't ignore the simple visuals cues that we get that can reveal someone's inner thoughts and motivations. You know, if you're in a meeting, you can just look at the countenances of everyone around the table who looks happy, who looks sad. And, and you can just tell um, that, you know, if someone's heart is, is hurting, they can't help but show it on their face.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, if, if, they're, if they're joyful, if, if things are going well, or if they're just happy internally, if the happy heart, their face is going to show.
0: So, Tom, in your book that we're talking about here, Three Colored Glasses, The readers led to believe that this is a showdown between the CFO and the CEO. How should a leader respond to his board or his boss when a subordinate is undermining them?
1: Jesus promised we'd have trouble in this world and frankly <laughs> sometimes you know I think he like meant the workplace first <laughs> you know mm. he, he didn't at least he didn't exclude the workplace and and so i mean think about it we're with people for hours on end that most of us wouldn't have picked as friends we either have little in common our personalities rub each other the wrong way or our personal beliefs conflict you know if you if you're in an office with with 20 30 40 or or 100 or hundreds of people, that's going to probably be, be the case. Right. But as leaders, we're supposed to help these people get along and get work done. And, and like a parent, you know, like a teacher, we have to motivate people to, to work toward, toward common goals. And so, uh, but the question is, you know, when we have one of our subordinates that is undermining us, how do we as a leader protect uh, from the mutiny, maybe that's that's rising, or at least the the you know the the enemy that's maybe in the camp. My first reaction usually, if you're like me, is to panic and raise my defenses, and to respond in kind. But at, after that initial fear settles down, really, and, and if no amount of confrontation seems to help, scripture has a, has a next step. And Proverbs eighteen seventeen, I'll go back to Proverbs. It says, In a lawsuit, the first to speak seems right until someone comes forward and cross examines. So appealing mm-hmm. to an authority over both of you is a good first step. And that's what Leo does. That that is a great first step for him. I don't you know, in in the that part of the book he wasn't thinking scripturally about it. He wasn't he's you know, he's not a believer, but that truth played out. So if, if your subordinate is a believer, you, you can take Jesus' advice to, in Matthew 18. It says, point out their fault just between the two of you. But, I, you know, to be honest here, I mean, I, I admit when I've been in similar situations, these kinds of remedies haven't always worked for me. Many times, really, all I could do was cry out in prayer. And that's where the book of Psalms can really come into your life as a leader, and as a worker, uh, and just, just as a person, you know, because... The psalms really are really helpful in putting words around anguish and fear.
0: How can a leader avoid living in colored and looking through
1: colored glasses? Well, we all operate with these filters that color everything we see. You know, whether we are the leader or we are a manager, middle manager, or or we're just an employee without any management responsibilities, the way we see the world is made up of our memories, biases, fears our dreams, our personality, a whole slew of factors that give you, that give us a unique perspective on life. And the way that this usually plays out in the workplace is that you, th- I think you're perceiving me one way, but you think of me entirely differently. So we, our, our opinions don't match. And the reader experiences this dynamic in this big staff meeting where Leo casts his vision, you know, we, and, 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 what I tried to do is keep hitting rewind to go back to the same little speech, but now it's heard through the eyes of someone else at the table. And we see how differently they, they process his words. So that illustrates, you know, through, through that, through the story, uh, how their color glasses work. Uh, but when we as leaders realize that people hear their own version of our messages, it can change how we communicate I and mean, it should motivate us to be more direct, more succinct, less manipulative, Some leaders that I've been under have a real talent for measuring their words and looking for those body language cues we talked about earlier. Uh, But it's really hard to avoid looking through our own colored glasses all the time. Well, I lived through many years of wrestling with the ministry question as a Christian in in the business world. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, God Mm -hmm. kept me in business. But the thing that I wanted to encourage your listeners about is to think through the uh, your own dreams and the, the things that you feel like god is calling you to do quote someday in the in the ministry world or as a christian leader as a church leader or a missionary going to the fields of of africa or asia and 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 these you know these spotlighted dreams that, that just seem almost like impossible to attain, but if you could get them, they'd be so cool. Well, let's, let's back up, because some of you may have that, that reality happen in your life, but let's back up to the here and now, and let's look at where you and I are in life and work, and let's look at, you know, what is, is God already asking you to do? what ministry is he, opportunity is he putting in front of you? What what did he do just today or yesterday that gave you an opportunity to share the gospel, that gave you an opportunity to help someone who was hurting or to give them advice or to give them wisdom from the scriptures or from your experience? And start there. And now start adding in, you know, after you start working on that in your life by looking for the moments, the opportunities that God has put in front of you, you can start to see how God is pulling you forward into your life of ministry. So as you go forward in life, and, and maybe you can keep a journal of some of these so you can see, if you look over the past, where He has brought you, but you can start seeing a pattern of what He's doing in your life be- between things that He's gifted you with, your, your circumstances, your resources, your time, your abilities, your talents, your passions, And then where he's put you, you know, the place where you're working, the the geographic place, the, the neighborhood that you're in, the church that you're in, and start to combine these things and say, okay, well, Lord, now what could you have me do next that is really a combination of how you wired me, how you've built me, how you've given me, what life you've given me, and then where you want me to go, and what do you want me to do next? And I really believe that God honors that prayer by showing you something new that you can do for him, for the kingdom, in a way that grows the kingdom, and builds people, maybe even draws someone to Jesus. Maybe it's sitting on a plane and starting up a conversation, even though we all like to just kind of cocoon and and read a book and put our headphones on, you know, maybe you have that conversation with the person next to you and ask them questions and see if you can steer that conversation. You might be amazed at what God can do through you if you just give Him your hands and your feet and your mind and your, your, your lips to speak and, and, and the courage. And, and so that's the encouragement that I have today, is to just go forward in courage and without fear and knowing that God's going to direct you if you let Him and you ask Him and you're in constant prayer with Him. right? And that's just a great relationship to be in with Him.
0: I think what's important for us, just I a, a love the idea that that we all just recognize that we are right, we are where we are, right where we are, right then and right there, and that God can use us right where we are, and it may not be the perfect place for us. I know we've all had jobs where. It wasn't necessarily a good fit, yet we're surrounded by people who need to meet Jesus. So while we're in that job, dreaming about a better place to be and a better place to work one day, and maybe a different way to use our skills, we still have people that we're surrounded by that need to meet Jesus. And that ministry opportunity, even in a place where we don't like working, can make that place a lot more tolerable when we start to realize the influence and the impact that we can make each and every day. Make sure you check them out online, networldmediagroup.com. You've been listening to I Work For for Him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers, our workplace. It's our mission field, but ultimately, I Work For Him. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him PowerPod with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Want more? Hear the full broadcast at iworkforhim.com. Stay connected and receive power Pack content